this is a bit of old home week for me. I look around the crowd here, and um, I was at Grace Chapel in Lexington. I did college and young adults ministry, and some of my class, I believe, a few of you are here. Um, Heavenors, I think I saw you in the back. Yeah, I did their wedding. Um, and uh, Bud and Midge went with me to Hungary. Uh, right after the wall came down, uh, we taught English. Uh, using uh, both scripture and Christian literature, taught English uh, in a former communist youth camp. I didn't know in 10 years I'd be coming there on a regular basis, uh, working for something called the Integra Venture. And um, I want to start with scripture, because I'm here to talk to you about something called Cape Kidneys. I didn't grow up poor. I, I actually played basketball on an inner city basketball team where a lot of the kids were poor. I remember the kids eating after practice a big green sour pickle. I later learned that pickles can help you not feel so hungry. And um, so the Lord has had me get in contact with poverty, not from my own, but seeing it firsthand in many, many places. Jesus said, I used to think this was said about him, but Jesus said it about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now we tend to embrace that in reverse. The whole idea of not being condemned, not perishing, being saved. But it starts off with God so loved the world, the whole world. When Jesus was first starting his ministry, he started off with basically his job description. As a young man, a young rabbi, he was asked to come to the front of a church or a synagogue, probably in Capernaum. And they said, read the scripture for us, rabbi. So he grabs the scrolls, and they didn't have chapter and verse, but he, being Jesus, knew just where to find it. And he goes to Psalm 61. And Psalm 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord has a huge heart for the poor. I have seen the poor in, in many places. As a matter of fact, we took a mission trip and um, to, uh, how many, any of you here went to go to uh, Guatemala with our church? Yeah, I see. There's, there's some cross-pollinization between our churches here. And there was a man who grew up in a very poor village, very poor. He came to the United States and his name was Carlos Vargas and he did quite well here. And he felt the Lord say, go back. And he is doing unbelievable things. And when the Lord lets you see these things, they start to change you. Now, I want to make sure that you understand I'm a co-founder of Cape Kid Meals. I want to talk to you. And he's not here, so he, won't get, he can't get mad at me for bragging on him. But there was a gentleman in my church. He was a businessman. He did really quite well. And he sold his business. As I said, he did quite well, and I get a call from him. He had been coming to my church. He lived most of the time in California, but summered here. 
And he says, I want you to come to my house because I want to do more. I want to do more for the Lord than just write big checks. And he wasn't opposed to writing big checks. But he says, I want to know what to do with the rest of my life. I sold my business. I want to do things for the Lord. And so he invited three of us, me as his pastor, and then two other ministry leaders from elsewhere. And they came with these elaborate plans, really well written, well thought through. And, they gave, and then David came to me, David, what do you have to say? I said, David, I don't know what to tell you, but I've got some things to show you. And so we went on some journeys together. We went, uh, I, again, I had been part of a Christian NGO. Um, I'll just explain it very briefly. It was called the Integra Venture. Uh, I did it when we first, came, I was invited to do that when we first came to the Cape. As a matter of fact, I was working in Eastern, flying back and forth to Eastern Europe. And um, because our kids didn't have a Sunday school in a little home church we were doing, we would bring them to OBC and do Awana here. And uh, my, I, was, I was a sparky leader. My wife was a cubby leader. I have a lot of affection for this church. I, I just want you to know that. And so David and I, we got on a plane, and we went to Tirana, Albania. Then we went to Sofia, Bulgaria. And then we went to Chisinau, Moldova. And he just watched and let the Lord put things on his heart. One of my favorite ministry memories, I think, of all times is being in Chisinau, Moldova. Um, and there was a gentleman who his ministry was rescuing orphans as they were graduating out of orphanages. And what would happen is the, at, at 16, the state orphanages would say, okay, we've done our part, you may go. And the traffickers were just waiting for them. The, the boys became organized crime thugs and the girls were trafficked and this guy, he, start, he started making homes and taking these kids in. And so we saw three of these homes. And David, of course, got very involved in caring for these kids. But we were there for a few days, and we realized that these kids had never had ice cream. And David had grown up in eastern Massachusetts and had once worked for friendlies. And so he and I went out to the local grocery store, and it's not easy finding good ice cream in Chisinau, Moldova, never mind bananas, and, but we made a bunch of Jim Dandies. Any of you have a Jim Dandy? We're making like 45 or 50 Jim Dandies for these, and I have, he is, here is this dignified, you know, accomplished business, having the time of his life scooping ice cream for kids. Well, from there we went to Guatemala, and we showed him Hope of Life, where Folks have been here. And on his own, he went to a project I knew in uh, Haiti, Hope for the Children of Haiti. He's gotten involved in all of them. Well, fast forward a little bit, and my um, dear wife, Trisha, some of you may say, oh, is that his daughter? No, no, she's my wife. <laughs> well, let me just tell you something, okay? She doesn't age because her husband creates a life so blissful. <laughs> no, okay. Um, no, we promised we'd grow old together and she's not holding up her end. But she comes home, she'd 
she has a master's in special needs and she's a wonderful teacher. Took a very short 21-year break to raise our kids and then went back to teaching and she was teaching at a school in Dennis. She comes home one day and she said, do you know what percentage of kids in my school are at, near, or below the poverty line so they're on the free breakfast, free lunch program? And I took a wild high guess. I said, what, 24? She said, 52. And it soon went up to 60. And then she came home with a story about a little girl who came to school covered with bug bites because her mattress is infested and they needed a new mattress. And another family that was living in an efficiency hotel, and they were about to get booted out because they were $88 behind on their rent. And so I, had, I went and talked to their social worker. And what she said, you know what the real need is? We've got people, kids, coming back to school. They're on the free breakfast, free lunch program, but they don't eat real well on the weekends. And they're coming back hungry. And so they really can't concentrate until sometime after lunch on Mondays. And I said, that's not right. And I talked with David. Because one of the things they wanted was a three-year commitment without even blinking, because three years are covered. And we, David and I went and saw a program similar to what we were thinking about up in Fitchburg, and we researched this, and David has more executive function in his little finger than I have in my whole body, and so he helped with the organization of all of this. So in 2014, with the two schools in Dennis, we started we gave 40 bags per week at one school and 30 in the other. And we started. And I'd take my little pickup truck down to BJ's and we were doing retail back then and it, 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 was, it was costly. But the Lord allowed two things to happen, a couple things to happen. In the, within six weeks of starting, I encountered... Uh, some folks. One is I'm at Stop and Shop about 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, like some of you, buying SpaghettiOs, 70 cans at a time. And the lady behind the counter, I don't know, she looked in her mid-30s, she smiles and says, you really like SpaghettiOs. I said, actually, I do. But I said, this is for a little program we're doing uh, at the schools. It's called Cape Kid Meals. We feed kids and give food. She goes, that's you? I said, do you know about it? She goes, she goes, I have three kids in the school system. She was working mom's hours. I said, how's it working? She goes, great. Now, the Lord had me encounter that. There was another time. Is we had just been going a couple of weeks, and it was, there was going to be a, a, a day off. I think it was near Columbus Day. And I'm dropping off bags uh, a, a little early because they were going to miss Friday. And... I'm talking to the social worker, Priscilla, this little boy, and I'm not making fun of it. It's just it's, it's one of the ways that the Lord just crunched my heart is the way he asked. Miss Priscilla, I have to leave at noon today. Do you think I could get my food bag early? I, I'm sorry. I was cooked for life. This little guy was calling him. My kids would have called it yummies, snacks, whatever. This was food. This was his weekend food, and he knew it. And I said, I'll do that forever. 
Well, Dave Burns has some really cool friends, and he started to invite some of them to come and join. Some of them are here. I helped assemble a board. We found a brilliant director named Tammy Leone, who is as passionate about this as anybody I know. Um, kind, of on the, kind of high on the cool scales, David, at the end of the first year, brought a friend with him who wanted to see what we were doing. And he brought him and asked if he could meet at the church, and then I'd take him, we'd go together to the schools. Um, his friend's name was Bobby Orr. You know, it's funny, he was so anxious to meet me. Uh, kidding, kidding. <laughs> Other way around. And so he saw what we were doing, and it's, um, it started to grow from there. I gave, we knew that we needed some help from the local food pantry, so uh, Yarmouth Food Pantry let us buy food from the Boston Food Bank, but we'd have to bring it there. We couldn't leave it overnight at the church, so on Thursday mornings before we packed, I'd have to go I'd drop it off there on Monday, bring it back on Thursday. And um, Sue Martin, who was director there, said, would you tell my volunteers about what you're doing? So I gave a talk, and it just so happened to be a group from a, ch from a church uh, called Church of the Resurrection, at, uh, a, a, um, an Anglican church in Brewster. There's a bunch of those folks. They said, hey, we want to do it too. And so they took on Brewster and slowly, slowly started to grow. Today, we pack 800 bags a week and we're in 27 schools. Why? Because the Lord has called us to be like him, to, to preach good news to the poor. See, I desperately want people to know that there's a God in heaven who knows them by name and loves them dearly. But a hungry kid's going to have a hard time believing that. Now, I have seen starvation. I've been in, uh, I'm part of an organization that runs a leprosy center in Liberia. First time I went on that site, was kids with orange hair, which means severe protein deficiency. Starvation kills the body. I believe hunger kills the soul. What I mean by that is, especially in a place where there's affluence, like here, am I not worth taking care of? I was in Moldova once, and I saw this devastated woman walk out of an orphanage. And I, was, I asked the director, what, she goes, she has just had to leave her children here because she can't afford to feed them. Can you imagine what a parent feels like? They don't have enough food to feed their child? Well, we can think about in Moldova and Romania and places that I've been where I've seen, most of the orphans in that area are economic orphans. The economy on Cape Cod is, is, is actually quite cruel. I don't know if you know that. Because it's cyclical. You can have three jobs in the summer. You can mow lawns and wait tables and do... This time of year, they've rolled up the sidewalk. Um, how many of you had your lawn mowed this way? You know, it doesn't happen. Yet. A lot of things shut down. There's also an economic reality that years ago, you could come down here and you could rent a house. And say your rent was 2000 a month. It was steep, but your family could perhaps make... Well, now they're harder to find because that same house that used to rent for 2000 a month is now raising, renting 
for, for those 12 months, they're now renting for 2,500 a week for 18 weeks. And so it just makes, they take it out of the housing market. Housing is brutal, cost of living is high, and the Lord has put it on our hearts that let's help these families. We're not talking the irresponsible, we're talking the working poor in our midst. May the Lord give us eyes to see it. Now, I want to talk about what's in it for you. Because there are some pretty awesome promises in the Word of God. Isaiah 58. I'll skip ahead a little bit, but I'll, the first five verses in Isaiah 58 is um, the people basically complaining, God, we're doing church, we're praying, we're being nice. You know, you don't seem to be delivering. The time of history, about 720 B.C., roughly. You get the Assyrian Empire to the north, and the Babylonians are on the rise, and the Egyptians. They, there's this tiny little nation that the Lord has promised to bless, but they're feeling not real blessed. It's not real bad, but they're kind of nervous, and they're saying, God, we thought life would be better than this, because aren't we, aren't we being good to you, and you would be good to us? And he says, we're doing what you, we're fasting and we're praying. God answers them. If we go to Isaiah 58, verse 6. Let's go back one more, verse 5. He asks, is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only for a day for the people to humble themselves? Only for bowing the head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loosen the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and to not turn away your own flesh and blood? If you do this, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of fingers and malicious talk, do you think some of that's happening in our culture? I remember talking about this very, very early on. I was shocked. I just talked, we were, I was so excited about, you know, hey, we get to feed hungry kids. Is there anything better? And, and the first three questions I got were all negative. You know, well, don't you think it's because their parents are addicted? And I'm, I'm inside, I'm screaming, who cares? Oh, yeah, let's punish the kids. And by the way, it's not always that. Sometimes it is people, the woman who was my 70 cans of, she was working mom's hours. I'm sure her husband was working. But three kids on Cape Cod with minimum wage jobs, hits. it's near impossible. These are very dear folks. And it is an honor to get behind their parenting. 
And the other two, I won't even go in because I get snarky. <laughs> Not that I'm snarky by nature, but nonetheless, I can, I can pull it off. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. I will, you will cry for help. And he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, the pointing of fingers, and malicious talk, and then this line. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And let me be honest. A bunch of years ago, I, when I first went to the church where I was called the Evangelical Free Church of East Ennis. But you know, evangelical has become more of a political term lately, which is an absolute shame. And so we simplified it. We're just Grace Church. We want to be a church about the grace of Christ. But you know what the word evangelical means? It comes from the Greek word evangelion. It means right of center politically. No, it actually doesn't. <laughs> it means good news. You see, we followers of Christ need to be people of good news. But the word, the word of God says we are to do it in word and deed. The Apostle Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, it actually, there's a lead into it says, and now I will show you a more excellent way. And he begins, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What does that mean? We live in a world that's had words up to here. They need to see it. A hungry kid needed a food bag. Parents needed a little help in getting the kids fed. And I praise the Lord that some other folks have come along and seen that. And he has sent just the right people at just the right time. I mean, I thought when we were doing, you know, 70 bags a week, we went up to 90 bags a week. Well, then we get Tammy and we get Bob and we get others and this thing just caught fire. I think it was Victor Hugo who once said, there's nothing as powerful as an idea whose time has come. In the Lord's time, he said, let's do this. And the promise is, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, it costs. I will tell you, I've loaded bags when it's sleeting sideways in February, and it's no fun. And You know, when I was 55, I could lift a 90-pound bin. The Earth's gravity has gotten much stronger in the last nine years. It's 64, 90 pounds, weighs a whole lot more than it used to. It's all right. Spending ourselves. Ah. Is there anything better to spend oneself on? The Lord will guide you. Boy, do we need that. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. We live in an age of discontent. We've got so much, but it's not enough. 
He will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden. I long for that. I want there to be a passion in my living. In a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins. You will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings. I got my heart good and broken back in 2010 when I saw the earthquake in Haiti. And um, I called a Haitian friend. He sent me with his, uh, he actually, he was a Haitian pastor who his church had saved up and sent his 90-year-old, excuse me, 80-year-old mother back to Haiti. She hadn't been there in years. She wanted to see it one more time before the Lord took her home. When she was down there, a piece of the church she was making dinner for for the congregation collapsed on her and she and a 13-year-old assistant. They were so buried in rubble they simply put concrete over it. I've seen her grave. But we went down there and we saw a collapsed church that used to be a school and a feeding center and I felt the Lord say, you're going to rebuild that. And so we set up a team and we went down there. And we put, our, we put on our, our, our shirts that verse, you will be called repairers of broken walls. But I got it a little wrong. Because what he was talking about in Isaiah, he was not talking about city walls so much. He was talking about terraced walls. And what would happen is in these terraced gardens, you'd have your garden was here and you had a wall behind you and a wall in front of you. Well, if the wall behind you, it wasn't your wall, it was theirs, but if that started to crumble, that would all come down on you. And well, that's in a way, when we live in a society, we live with friends and neighbors, if their wall, if their life starts to fall apart, guess what? We are in a position to help them rebuild it more than even they are. Get involved with the hurts of others. We have sent six teams down to Haiti, and we have we rebuilt the church. We, th- we then worked in an orphanage. We thought we were done, and I had a friend come to me, tears, same friend, who had lost his mom. He said, you know, our kids haven't been in school in three years. So we sent a number of teams down. We built Grace Evangelical. We didn't call it that. They named it after us because we, today there are 300 and something kids going to school. We're a little bitty church. But if you take the call and the promises of God serious, he does great things. He does great things. I want to tell you, thank you so much for letting me come here. There's a lot at stake, not just for those folks, but for us. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story about the sheep and the goats and the end of time. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory with all his angels with him, And he sits on his glorious thrones. All the nations will gather before him, and he will separate the people one from another. 
As a shepherd separates sheep from goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty? and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothing and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, truly I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. I have three kids I love dearly. It's okay if you're nice to me. But you know what really gets me excited? When I see somebody invest in my kids and love my boys, that's Jesus wants us to do that. For God so loved the whole world. And he wants you to go love his kids. The kids that know him and the kids who haven't met him yet. I get the feeling OBC does that. I just want to commend you just the fact that you'd have somebody like me come in here. That speaks. You're either crazy or you've really committed to the cause of Christ. I believe the latter. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their heart for you. I thank you folks, for the folks you're drawing here. And Father, I thank you for the, the way you have moved them to be very generous to Cape Kids. Lord, those kids are never going to know who we are. We do this all anonymously. But Father, I do ask that the love of Christ would spill out of every bag. And that you would be given glory. And we would be called repairers of broken walls. In Jesus' name we pray.